Hey there, welcome to the podcast. So if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you know that we are on hiatus for part of the summer because we all need some breaks sometime, but I didn't want to leave you without any episode. So what I've done is gone back into the vaults and found some really good quality episodes that you may have missed, especially if you're newer to the podcast. And they're so relevant even to this day, even if they're a couple of years old, um, because Well, first of all, anything that we're talking about the menstrual cycle and really educating on the menstrual cycle is going to be essentially, you know, um, very same foundationally, even if it's over time, but also it's pretty crazy to go back to some of my old episodes and especially, you know, in talking with different experts, things that they were talking about then are just kind of coming to the surface of mainstream now. So pretty interesting. So Point is, I want you to be able to still continue to learn and engage and be connected through the summer. So we're diving today into how stress is throwing off your menstrual cycle. And it's very interesting because I actually just did an interview yesterday for another podcast talking about how stress impacts your sex drive. And it really, you know, impacts every part of our hormones and every part of our body. And it's why it's so imperative that we start to deal with stress and work on stress reduction and shifting our view of stressors in our lives in order to help not just our hormones, but our overall health. So excited for you to dive into that episode today. Even if you've heard it before, I guarantee there's things that you have forgotten. So you'll learn something new again. But speaking of stress, I also wanted to share with you that we are doing this fabulous program because stress is such a huge impact on our menstrual cycle, and in particular going into perimenopause, it was time. There's so much information out there about perimenopause right now, right? And so many differing opinions and so much like coming at you. There's like new medications coming out. I mean, it's just craziness. So my colleague Marika and I decided to put together a program called Perimenopause Like a Boss. We will definitely be talking about the impacts of stress during perimenopause and how that can really shift your hormones But we're going to get into all of the nitty gritty, right? And so you really understand when perimenopause starts, what to look out for, what changes are going to happen to your body, what hormones are shifting so that you know when you have a symptom, what hormone it connects to and how, and most importantly, how you can, you know, work with that and utilize everything from diet, supplements, lifestyle, and at some point, Uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy or BHRT if you want to in order to support you in this process. So it doesn't have to be the hell that you hear about, right? And I feel like for the first time in forever, we're actually talking about the hell that some women can really go through. And I work with these women all the time, so I see it firsthand. It can be a really traumatic experience because of all the changes going on. And I want you to not have to go through that experience. So we created this program. It's a four-week live program, starts July 10th. And we're going to cover so much in that program. There's so much good information. You get weekly packets of information. And then we also have a live Q&A every Friday, and that'll be at noon. And if you can't make that, that's okay. We'll record it. You can send your questions in beforehand. We have a private community. It is not on Facebook. That is one of the biggest requests that I've gotten for my programs. We are actually able to do a community aspect through my new platform for courses. So super excited about that. It's going to be banging. We're going to have a really good time. It's summer. 
we're here to like educate but also have fun in the process so it doesn't have to feel like a drag. So if you're interested in learning more about that, you can just go to christinegarvin.com and you'll see a link for the course near the top of the website or you can go to the show notes today and there will be a direct link there. And if you sign up in the next three days, so it's Tuesday right now, so you have until Friday um, to sign up, you can get $50 off with code BOSS, that's B-O-S-S, at checkout. So it's only until this Friday. Also, we have limited spaces in this program because we want to make it a nice cozy situation and um, a few are already full, so we only have a few more spaces left. So come on, join us. It's going to be great. You're going to learn a ton and you're going to start feeling better, which is the most important part. All right, on that note, let's go ahead and dive into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to Hormonally Speaking. I'm your host, Christine Garvin, a functional health coach. Each week, I speak with an incredible guest expert on all things women's hormones. We're here to empower you to take back control of your body, health, and well-being, and to learn about the latest in research and solutions when it comes to getting your hormones happy. No part of this podcast should be construed as medical advice, and we always recommend working with a professional practitioner to figure out what's best for your body. Now let's dive in with today's guest. Hey there, welcome to today's episode of Hormonally Speaking. I wanted to talk to you today about something that is just up big time for so many people that I know, and that's anxiety and stress. And really the underlying component of a lot of people's anxiety is stress. So I think it's really important to understand how much stress actually impacts your cycle. I know that, you know, that's talked about a lot in terms of just telling you, hey, you know, you need to get your stress under control because if your cycle is out of whack, that's a huge reason why, but I think sometimes, you know, when I hear something like that, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other because it's just like, well, yeah, stress, of course it impacts my cycle, but there's not, you know, a whole lot that I can do to, um, diminish that, you know, other than getting in some meditation and things like that, which I know I tell people all the time to really make a priority in their lives. And I don't know how many people really do make it a priority in their lives, whether that's meditation or visualization or breathing. I think that that gets pushed to the side and that real uh, stepping back and taking care of yourself, true self-care, which is going to be one of the biggest ways to deal with your stress in a better way. I don't think many people are actually doing that. We get caught up in just everything that we're, you know, needing to get done each day. And I get it. I totally get it. I have been there. I still have to really watch myself to not overdo because this world is constantly demanding that we overdo and give, 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 and not take any time or space for ourselves. And it is really, truly the biggest underlying issue for hormonal imbalance. I don't care what your hormonal imbalance is, whether it's PCOS or estrogen dominance or PMDD or 
you know, uh, random spotting. I mean, it is something that I guarantee that you have to work on. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the specifics of why stress and how stress impacts your cycle. So first and foremost, our stress response will always win out over reproduction. So here it is. You may or may not actually want to get pregnant. You know, a lot of uh, women are not wanting to get pregnant and they are, that's why you're on birth control and, you know, um, anything tracking your cycle, et cetera. Um, But the point of your reproductive system while you are a cycling woman is to get pregnant. Doesn't mean that you have to, doesn't mean that you want to, it's just the point of it. And so we want to take our bodies through that process each month without fertilizing an egg, obviously, if you don't want to get pregnant, but acting as if you are going to get pregnant and you want to get pregnant. And the reality is stress will always win out over this because we would literally die if we didn't have our stress response which is our adrenals releasing cortisol, our stress hormone. Without that, we would not be able to get out of bed. And so our bodies are made this way, right? It's a long-term evolutionary thing that when we're under stress, essentially our sex hormones are down-regulated. The ability to get pregnant is kind of put to the wayside because the body's like, you can't store and house and grow another life when you're under this super stressful situation, because it can't tell your body can't tell if you're, you know, running from a saber toothed tiger or you're having 25 notifications go off on your phone in an hour, it creates the same stress response in the body. And when it's consistent like that, that's what's going to happen. And so let me break that. Well, let me talk first actually about, um, what cortisol does other than impact your, um, your cycle. And then I'm going to break down exactly how it does that. So first let's talk about stress that triggers cortisol will shut down your digestion because all the blood is like diverted to get you like moving, right? Your fight or flight response. So that digestion is not happening in a good way, which is part of why a lot of people that are under a lot of stress have really bad digestion. Um, It increases your blood pressure, which, you know, again, we know is great in the moment, but it is not great over the long term. Tons of people are on blood pressure medication because it's not good for us. It also raises your blood sugar. So, you know, cortisol and blood sugar have a very intimate relationship and the fluctuations of blood sugar throughout the day, especially if we have that push of cortisol coming out, it's not good for our long-term health, you know, not only because of things like diabetes, but really blood sugar regulation underlies every single, uh, illness out there, you know, when, when you really like peel them back. Um, and so it's one of the best ways to protect yourself from the many varying diseases out there is to really make sure that your blood sugar is regulated well. So that means that you got to work on not having cortisol being produced consistently throughout the day. Uh, cortisol also suppresses our immune system and it also suppresses our thyroid. So if you are thinking about, you know, our thyroid, which is the center of our metabolism, um, you know, our, our energy really. And when you have this consistent cortisol going down, like 
it is, excuse me, being released, um, that suppression of that thyroid is really going to end up sort of down regulating your thyroid function. You're going to initially, you know, have that spike of energy from all that cortisol production, but eventually it's going to start to really lower your energy throughout the day because of how it impacts your thyroid. And then eventually you're actually going to be, um, your brain is going to downregulate that cortisol too. So when I have a client that comes to me and we do a four point cortisol test, you know, often I will see low cortisol and I know by seeing that low cortisol that they have been under stress for a while because it always goes up high for a while before it goes low. It doesn't just crash out for no reason. It doesn't mean you're not producing enough cortisol. It means that your brain has downregulated that production because your brain's like, Hey, what we're doing is not working. And because of all the things I just said that cortisol does, you know, impacting your digestion, impacting your immune system after a while, I mean, our, our brain and our hypothalamus and pituitary glands are super smart. And they're like, this is bad, bad news. Like we can't keep doing this because, you know, got to digest food. We got to, um, have the immune system working properly. And so that's when you really start to see this low cortisol production and people can really struggle to even get out of bed, much less get through their day when things are like that. So that's where you're at and you haven't had a cortisol test done. I highly recommend working with a practitioner and uh, figuring that out because you know, again, it's not that you have depleted all your cortisol. You still can make cortisol. It's that your brain, because of that constant stress has down regulated it. And you need to make your body feel safe and comfortable again, so it can bring it back up. So those are some of the other ways that cortisol can impact us. Let's talk specifically about how it impacts our sex hormone production. So, you know, the big ones for the ladies, of course, are estrogen and progesterone. Of course, testosterone is really important. DHEA is really important, but let's just talk about, you know, in our monthly cycle, estrogen and progesterone are the, the big guns. And then the pituitary hormones that are the other big guns when it comes to our menstrual cycle are follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone. Follicle stimulating hormone is FSH for short and luteinizing hormone is LH for short. And that's how I'll refer to them. And before we dive into that, it's really, really cool and important to know how estrogen, progesterone, FSH, and LH all work together throughout the month to coordinate your cycle. It's an orchestra that's amazingly beautiful when you understand what is going on. And when you understand what is going on, then you can figure out what is going wrong. So I'm actually doing a free webinar next Wednesday, November 3rd at 12 p.m., telling you all about these hormones and how they interact. So by the end of it, you'll totally understand what each hormone does, um, how they work together throughout the month, and then how birth control can um, change and inhibit them. And then, you know, best practices on supporting yourself for good hormone production throughout the month. So it's a quick 30 minute webinar. It's free. I'm doing it at lunchtime, Eastern Standard Time, 12 p.m. If that doesn't work for you, still sign up. You'll get a recording to watch it later. So I'm really trying to pack up as much information in a really you know, fun and easy to understand way so that you get 
what the hell is going on with your hormones. And that is actually what it's called because how can we, you know, really get what's going wrong if we don't know how things are supposed to be. So it's a really basic one-on-one webinar. I hope to see you there. Um, I'm capping it at 50. We're um, over two thirds of the way full. So if you want to grab that spot, some of the remaining spots, I'd say, go ahead and do it now ASAP. You can go to my website, christinegarvin.com, and you'll see a little bar at the top where you can sign up and it's called what the hell are my hormones doing? Um, I'll also include it in the notes for today's episode. So you can sign up directly through there. Anyways, back to the explanation of how cortisol impacts these hormones. So what happens is when you have that cortisol going high, right? Your pituitary gland, your hypothalamus gland have been telling your adrenals to produce this cortisol to keep you alive, to keep you going. At the same time that that's happening, that cortisol through a feedback loop to the brain actually tells, you know, the hypothalamus gland and the pituitary gland to diminish your production of FSH and LH. So FSH again is your follicle stimulating hormone. And this is a hormone that your pituitary gland releases in order to stimulate your ovaries to produce estrogen. So you need FSH in order for your ovaries to produce estrogen. And LH is luteinizing hormone. And this actually triggers ovulation. So we have LH going really high right before ovulation in order to trigger it. And so if you don't have enough of this FSH to get your ovaries producing estrogen and growing that follicle, that's going to be an egg that gets pushed out because of ovulation and that LH, if FSH and LH are diminished, then you're not going to have proper ovulation is what it comes down to right? So your estrogen production is going to be lowered and your progesterone. If you don't ovulate, you're basically not producing any progesterone. So that is really important that our FSH levels and our LH levels are, you know, in that really key spot where they are triggering that estrogen production and then ovulation. So that's one way that cortisol impacts just brings those pituitary hormones down. Cortisol also impacts the ovaries directly by making the ovaries resistant to the signals from FSH and LH. So not only is it impacting the output of the signals from your pituitary gland, that FSH and LH, but it's also going in and saying, hey, ovaries, whatever FSH and LH is being transmitted right now, we're going to, you know, not pay attention to that as much. We're going to, we're going to kind of shut down you reacting to that. So that's a big deal, right? So even if you skirted by and your FSH and LH are um, working well enough from your pituitary, here we are on the second level of your ovaries being like, "Mm, can't take it in, not listening, can't hear you because of that cortisol. Third way, cortisol also blocks progesterone receptors. And what that means is, you know, we have these receptors on our cells. So Yes, you can have hormone production, but if that hormone doesn't get in your cells, it does you no good, right? Just floating around hormones does not do you any good. 
So we want those hormones to get into the cells, whatever that is we need, you know, um, insulin is what gets sugar into the cells. Estrogen receptors are what allow estrogen into the cells. Progesterone is what allows progesterone receptors is what allows progesterone into the cells. So you could be making enough progesterone, you know, say, say you actually ovulated, everything went well, you're making enough progesterone, but it doesn't actually get into the cells. And so here we have an issue. And this is where, you know, blood labs really are not your best option, right. To test your hormones, because like I said, it could be fine of what's floating around in your blood, but it's not actually getting into the cells. And that is where saliva and dried urine, um, testing is much better because that is showing us the final outcome, you know, after those hormones have gotten into the cells. So it's a much cleaner picture of what actually is being used and utilized by the body. So hopefully that all makes sense. Um, yeah, progesterone is a big issue. You know, I mean, if you've been following my work at all, if you follow hormone work at all, we know that a lot of issues come from lowered progesterone in that second half of your cycle from either, you know, um, not ovulating, not ovulating properly, not having enough of a, you know, progesterone sort of spike and continuation of it staying high enough for long enough. These are all major, you know, underlying issues of everything from PMS to PCOS to PMDD and, you know, fibroids and cysts and so on. So we really, you know, want to make sure that whatever progesterone we're producing is actually making into the cells and cortisol is inhibiting that. So these are three of the ways that cortisol can really come in there and just throw your cycle off and why it's so important to work on your adrenal health and cortisol, you know, balancing that out. If you have sex hormone issues, I hope that makes sense. What are the major stressors that I see with women? You know, I mean, we all know we're stressed, right? But I think that we kind of overlook some of the things that are really stressing us out even more than we realize. So some of the major things that I see with my clients, a working too much, um, you know, obviously this isn't always in our hands, right? You know, we have jobs that we have to do. Um, a lot of us are working multiple jobs at this point in history. Um, we're working multiple jobs and coming home and taking care of our families you know, cooking, cleaning, doing all the things women are, have been saddled with too much. And it is not the way that our hormonal bodies were built, right? Because specifically what we're talking about, how cortisol and when it's just flowing all day more than it should be, how that's going to impact our cycle. So that's, you know, big kind of more obvious ones. Um, never having any downtime between work and family obligations. I see many women, you know, not taking time for themselves, even five to 10 minutes, you know, between work and coming home to your family or being on your computer for work and then going to your family. And I know that this is really hard. And yet this is, this is the, the crux of where 
you have to decide if this is what you're doing in your life, you have to decide if your health is important or not. And if you want to be able to be healthy for your family, because if you don't start taking time for yourself, you're not going to get there. And I hate to be blunt like that. Um, I wish that there was another way, but there's not And this your you, you know, your, um, issues with your cycle are messages from your body that things are off and that you really need to, to pull back and pull in and take care of yourself. So I can't stress that enough, <laughs> not to stress you out more with saying that, but sleep issues are also a big thing. And honestly, sleep issues often come from high cortisol. So it's a little chicken or the egg situation, but really pairing in that sleep, um, and you know, the underlying issues of high cortisol again, are from overwork, anxiety, and perfectionism, and that's going to impact your sleep. So those are the things that you have to work on alongside, you know, a good diet and, um, adrenal supports, adaptogens, you know, in extreme cases, you may need some glandulars for a little while. Um, not setting boundaries in your life. And really this is part of all the things I just said, um, as women, we have not been taught to set boundaries in any aspect of life in places where we feel uncomfortable in places where we've been asked too much to do, um, in places where, uh, you know, we're called a bitch if we don't do as we're asked. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I, have a major, you know, thing with this still, I see myself so often wanting to please others by saying yes, instead of being like, well, is this what I really want to do? And the more that I do this work, I'm the more that I realize that places where I thought I couldn't say no in the past, I a hundred percent could have, and I a hundred percent can now. And part of that is letting go of what other people think of you letting go of if they're going to be pissed off because you said no, letting go of if they're going to get, you know, like wail on you if you say no, piss off if they're, or excuse me, um, dealing with if they're going to shut you out. I mean, there's so many layers to it and you have to get comfortable with the discomfort of not showing up how other people are demanding of you all the time. And it doesn't mean you're lazy and it doesn't mean that, you're not a hard worker or that you're not, you know, part of the team. It's, it's none of that. It is you really stepping into your own power and recognizing what is good for you and what isn't good for you. And this is going to send you on a path to more freedom than you've ever experienced before. It may be some stumbling blocks along the way, you know, sometimes, yeah, in some situations, it means you need to quit that job. I'm going to be blunt. You know, that's not always possible right away. Maybe you need to start looking for other types of work, or maybe you need to figure out a way to go down into part-time. Maybe you need to, um, you know, cut back in some areas of life so that you have the freedom to give yourself more time to yourself and self-care because, eventually your body is not going to let you go anymore. And then you'll have to quit your job because you can't get out of bed. And, and I've seen this firsthand many times. And so I can't stress enough how important it is to really start to set those boundaries in your life and practice. You know, you can practice with family members. You can speak to it saying, you say to people, I 
understand that for my health, you know, I'm really just um, hurting myself so much by not saying no, by not um, recognizing my own needs. And so can you help me with working on this thing? I'm going to start saying no more often Um, and, you know, see how that goes. I mean, practicing is always good, right? If you have a therapist, you can talk through that with them and it's, it's life-changing is what, is what I'll leave it at. So besides external stress, I also see a lot of women dealing with internal stressors. And these are the ones that are less obvious, right? Um, Because they are going on inside and we can kind of push that down, right? So one of the big things, not eating enough calories a day. A lot of women are not eating enough food and it is very stressful on the body to not get enough calories in a day. So we have millions of diets out there telling women to, you know, take down their amount of calories and that can, it acts as stressor in your body and raises your cortisol. And so at first you can feel good and then eventually you're going to feel exhausted. So make sure you get enough calories in a day. You know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Um, dehydration in general, a lot of us are dehydrated. We're just, we're not drinking good quality water. We're not getting enough electrolytes in that water. You know, um, I mean, anything from adding some lemon and sea salt can be helpful. Um, doing, um, the adrenal cocktail works for some people. So that's using cream of tartar and sea salt. Uh, they usually recommend with orange juice to get vitamin C. I'm not a big fan of adding orange juice because that's high in sugar. You can do like a splash of orange juice, maybe in water or some other kind of flavored beverage, like a kombucha, something that's lower sugar. Um, you can even just do it in water. It really doesn't taste that bad. You can take some vitamin C with it. Um, getting yourself electrolyte mixes and drinking those once to twice a day. Um, you know, very few of us are getting the amount of potassium that we need a day. Many of us are actually low in sodium too, even though, um, there's so much against sodium. Sodium is very important, getting enough potassium and sodium, you know, in, in cahoots with each other. So stay hydrated y'all. Um, gut dysbiosis also creates stress in the body and that can trigger cortisol. And a lot of us have gut dysbiosis. So um, that's where you really want to work with a practitioner get some testing done, see what's going on in your gut, clean that sucker up and get everything moving, you know, get your, get your poop moving on out. Unresolved trauma, huge, 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 huge. Besides setting boundaries in your life, this is the biggest issue I see with women. We have women and men really have huge amounts of unresolved trauma and our world would be a completely different place if we were able to actually deal with our trauma through, you know, really highly supportive therapy. Um, not all therapy out there is great. And sometimes you got to look a little bit more. I personally am a big fan of somatic therapy because although talk therapy can be, you know, helpful for sure. And, um, I'm not against talk therapy, but, you know, talk therapy, you can, uh, struggle with maybe getting to some of the more root causes and somatic therapy is this idea that, you know, works with the idea that we store these issues and our tissues, right? So we store trauma in our tissues. And when we get triggered in daily life, that's all old trauma that's getting re-triggered. And so you really want to 
process that trauma in a safe way so that it can, you know, as I say, move out of your body. So that is not triggering, triggering you again and again, because you can get actually in a caught in a loop of cortisol production because your body never feels safe. Your nervous system never feels safe. So you're in that kind of constant fight or flight mode because of this unresolved trauma. And so you can do all the other things. If you still have this unresolved trauma that has your system like high, you know, like wired really tightly, then you're just going to get, you're just going to be stuck for the long term. So really working with that, working, you know, um, with energy systems, like emotional freedom technique can be really helpful. You know, I highly recommend though, if you haven't worked on unresolved trauma and everyone has it on some level that you go to a qualified therapist. Again, I love somatic therapy. I personally do a type of therapy called advanced integrative therapy. I interviewed an AIT practitioner on the 2020 hormone summit. And we did a quick video presentation of what AIT looks like. And you can access that on my YouTube channel. I'll put a link in here so you can check it out, try it, see if you like it. Um, but if not AIT other, there's lots of other forms of somatic therapy that are fantastic. Last in terms of um, internal stressors that kind of come from the outside actually are environmental toxins that get stuck in our body. So anything from, you know, our plastics, um, which plastic is everywhere and, you know, unfortunately ends up in our bodies via drinking water, via taking showers, um, you know, chlorine's a bigger thing in that uh, case, but um, in our soil at this point, I mean, it's, it's in our water ways because, you know, we pee these things out. I mean, it's, it's tough. And so what we need to do is make sure that our livers are working well so that it can process that stuff out as much as possible. Um, heavy metals are also another stressor, internal stressor in the body. And most of us have some level of heavy metals, um, and then mold. Um, and then there's many other environmental toxins other than just plastics, um, you know, just all kinds of different chemicals that get stored in our body and kind of keep us in that stuck position too of inflammation, um, and cortisol production around that. So I know that feels like a lot. I hope your big takeaways here are really starting to work on the boundary setting and, you know, creating a life, even if it's not going to happen in the next week or month or year, but creating a life where you are able to have, you know, a moderate amount of stress. Nobody's going to get out of this thing stress-free, but, you know, going back to what our bodies were developed to handle, which was, you know, stress in sort of small bursts here and there, not consistent stress. Um, and making your body more resilient, um, by not having to be under stress all the time and then working on that unresolved trauma, because that again is, is so huge. Um, and honestly, if you worked on all of these areas, then your sex hormones, you know, minus being later in perimenopause, they're going to take care of themselves. Um, so that's why it's so important to really look at stress in your life, um, and start to figure out ways to bring it down, bring it down. I hope that you can join me next week on November 3rd at 12 PM Eastern standard time for my 
free webinar, what the hell are going on with my hormones, because you're going to learn, you know, what's happening throughout the month. And that's going to help you a ton too, especially when it comes to times of the month where you can go ahead and block those days out as much as you can, or at least, you know, periods of those days, because you are getting ready to start your period, you know, um, you it's, time for some downtime, or you know that this is a time where you really want to put in some extra time at work because your system is supporting you dealing with stress better. So all of this is, you know, super, super important information. Our bodies are super cool with our cycling processes. And the more that we understand that, the more magical and amazing we see that it is. So I hope that you can join me again. You can go to my website, christinegarman.com, sign up there or go to the link in this episode and sign up through there. One other quick note, I just find this fascinating. I just recently learned that um, collagen, which is actually what I recommend to my clients a lot of the time in terms of helping to support to get more protein in, um, it actually in some people can make anxiety worse. So apparently this is because it has all the amino acids except for tryptophan and not having that tryptophan in there can trigger people that are already predisposed to anxiety. Not everybody, but if, you know, levels of tryptophan are off and that kind of thing, this can worsen that, right? So there's a couple of ways you can go about that. Um, apparently people that add tryptophan to their collagen, um, that were having anxiety or sleep issues because the collagen, the tryptophan was it. So once they added it in their anxiety issues went away, their sleep issues went away. If you are on any kind of anti-anxiety or, um, depression medication, you don't want to do that. You don't want to take tryptophan, um, because it works along the same lines. And so it's, yeah, you want to stay away from anything that is, um, you know, going to, be trying to do the same thing in your body, essentially. So in that case, I would recommend taking the collagen powder out. Again, this doesn't impact everybody this way. It does not impact me that way. Um, I know lots of my clients that it works fa fabulous for, but if you've noticed that your anxiety has gotten higher, you know, since you've been taking collagen or it's just something that you're dealing with a lot of anxiety right now, you might as well take out the collagen for a little while to see. Um, or add the tryptophan if you're not on any kind of medication and see if that helps. So FYI about that, um, there's, I think, a training that I'm going to do that's going to talk more about that so I can share that later. But for today, that's what I'm going to leave you with. We have um, some awesome guests coming back in the next couple of weeks. Um, so be back here next week for a great episode. If you have a chance, I would love, 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 love for you to leave a review. If you're listening in iTunes, it's literally the only way that the podcast can grow in iTunes because that it, they put a lot of stake in, in those reviews. And so I know it can take a minute. I know it's not always hard. I mean, excuse me, not always easy to get there. You know, you have to, as far as I know, be on your phone, go to the iTunes, um, podcast app, and then go to the actual podcast and you got to scroll down and then you'll see reviews, you know, down towards the bottom and you have to hit write a review, but I will have my undying love and affection for any review that you leave. I am so grateful when you do. So if you have a chance to do that. I'd love it if you did. 
Otherwise, I will see you next time.